right, come on, jump up on your feet and grab your Bibles this morning. I want to go back into this text one last time today. I just want to finish out the thoughts that we started on several weeks ago. I want to go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Let's do another survey. How many brought a real Bible? All right, how many's got an electronic something? Hold that up. Let me see the lights. Oh, I think the real Bibles are catching up. Oh, I think the real Bibles are catching up. Praise the Lord. Because when they shut the grid off, you got to have a Bible, you know, and you got to have a way to go. Because when they shut it all down, you got to know the word, right? Hallelujah. Just trying to help our younger folks out a little bit, you know, just can't rely on electronics. Praise the Lord. And I got them too, so don't think that's a judgment thing. I got electronics. I got, I got my Bible apps. I read it every day from my phone, says. But I also make sure I got some hard stuff. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So that's going over really good. So let's jump into Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. And while he sent the crowds away, and after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone, and the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, and they said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Jesus said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. Somebody shout, he walked. And he walked on water, and he came toward Jesus. Uh, Verse number 30 there, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took a hold of him and said to him, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. Some, a, a couple of thoughts here just before we pray and, and you sit down. The, uh, some things that I've been working on just kind of in my personal journey with the Lord, but I felt the need over the last, this would be part four of our series, uh, This Ain't Normal or This Is Not Normal. But there's some thoughts that I wrote down. I want you to notice that, that Jesus here, Uh, comes to them while the disciples are in a storm, and he comes to them in an unexpected way. How many know that many times in our struggle, many times in the storms of our life, he appears differently? He will show up differently in the tough times of our life so that we can experience him on a greater level. Because how many know that every experience with God takes us into greater realms of glory? And and it's not just to have the name of Jesus on your lips. But God is getting us to the place where we can experience Him in whatever environment we find ourselves in. So He comes to them in a different way. He comes to them in an unexpected way because He's trying to bring to His disciples a brand new experience of what they can have in him, even in the midst of the chaos, even in the midst of their own struggle. 
And then, and then we get to the end of that, that, that particular text that we're reading. And, and after he calms the storm, after everything stops, they said, you are certainly God's son. Well, they had already knew this. They'd already been walking with him. They knew that he was God's son. But with every new encounter, it increases us, it increases our appetite to know him differently. I don't know about you, but I don't want to know the God of yesterday only. I want to know the God of today, and I want to know him into my tomorrows. Amen? So just push on about three people around you and tell them, this ain't normal now. This ain't normal. This ain't normal. Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on water. This ain't normal. This, this ain't normal. We're going to pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, as we discover you in new dimensions, as we discover you in new ways, Lord, I thank you that, that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here right now. And Lord, I thank you that people's lives are going to be forever and radically changed for your glory. And Lord, we give you praise and glory. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher and the teacher. You're the revelator and the communicator. You're the revealer of all truth. We thank you for what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. I believe that we're living in days, the days that we're living in, it's the days where God is inviting us to discover him in the realm of the impossible. Because how many know that God is bigger than what you face? He's bigger than what you fear. And he's inviting us to discover him in what I'm calling the realms of the impossible. I, I wrote these things down this morning. I want to try to get to where I need to go today, but I, I just want to continue to build a little bit more foundation because I think it'll tie together here in a few minutes. When someone or somebody makes a decision to live in such a way that becomes inconsistent with God's best for their life, uh, no matter what word they use to describe it, no matter how many excuses they may project or what the reasoning is they, they have behind their thoughts, there's only one appropriate word that can be applied when somebody refuses to live consistently with God's design for their life. There's only one word that can be applied, and that is the word settling. People settle. When you settle, when you settle in your walk with God, when you settle in your revelation of God, when you settle in your knowledge of Him, then you are dictating your own destiny. You begin to dictate your own personal agendas. Settling is where you put a period and all God did was put a comma. Amen. Settling is you saying that this is good enough for me, therefore I want it to be good enough for God. Praise the Lord. So look at your neighbor and say, don't settle. In fact, there are, many, there, there are people under the sound of my voice today, you've come too far to settle. You have fought too hard to settle. You've been through way too much to settle. Life is too valuable to begin to settle now. And I just want to say over this house this morning, I feel like God is leading us into places and dimensions in him, and I don't want to be the one that settles. I want to be the one that just keeps adventuring out into the unknown so that I can discover God in something in places where I've never seen or heard him before. 
I don't know about you, but I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his might. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I don't just want to know him as the God of yesterday. I want him to know, know him as the God of today and tomorrow. How many know the Bible teaches us that now faith is? Faith is now. Faith is not tomorrow. Faith is not yesterday. Faith is now. The only thing that's current is now. Ten seconds from now, now will be now. <laughs> so I don't want to know God of any times in my past. And I thank God for everything in my past because it helps me remember to myself how good God can be. But I don't want to be stuck in yesterday. So here's the deal. Where, where you settle is where you die. Now, I want to show you a couple of scriptures here. Look with me in Genesis. Just track with me for a few moments. Look with me in Genesis chapter 11 as we begin to lay this out. Genesis chapter 11, verse number 31. This is Abraham's father, Terah, who took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his, his sons, Abraham's wife. And he went, and they, and, and they went out together. Somebody shout together. They went out together from the Ur of the Chaldeans in order, watch this very important word language here, in order to enter the land of Canaan. And they went as far as Haran, and they settled. You see that? Abraham's father, Terah, was moving his family to the promised land, was moving his family to the land of Canaan. And they got as far as Haran, and they settled. In verse number 32, and the days of Terah were 105 years, and Terah died in Haran. Notice Terah settled on the wrong side of his promise. He was headed for Canaan, but he settled. And where he settled is where he died. What happens in our life spiritually, where we settle is where we die. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just settle for what I, what I want. I don't want to just settle for the things that I can manufacture myself. I want to continue to believe God beyond the realm of my own personal experiences. Tara died where he settled. I believe this today that graveyards are, fulfill, are filled with unfulfilled potential. Graveyards are filled with unfulfilled potential. And the challenge to every believer is not just to live our life from the outside in, but to live our life from the inside out. This will be on the screen for you. Potential is everything I am, but not yet. Look at your neighbor and say, I've got some potential now. Now, let me just work these concepts out because it's going to make sense when we get to Peter here in a minute. Understand that God is omnipotent, right? He's omnipotent. These are going to be on the screen for you. The word om, omni, omni means all or many. Potent means powerful. It's also the root word for potential. That means this, God is all potential. God is all potential. Everything that can be is in him. All potential is in God. And anything created that gets separated from its source will never realize its full potential. Anything that, that is created, just track with me, anything that is created that gets separated from its source loses its 
potential. Look with me in John chapter 15 real quick. Just watch, watch me now. John chapter 15. Going to work you in the word a little bit. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, verse number 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. That's verse number 1. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. One guy said, you're pruned if you do, and you're pruned if you don't. <laughs> so you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Verse number 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he also bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Anything separated from its source can't do anything. Anything disconnected from its source loses its potential. Whew, I'm about to get there. When, when, when you have all this potential in you, when you're connected to God, when you disconnect from God, everything in you loses its ability to produce. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Anything separated from that cannot do anything. In other words, you cannot bear fruit from him separated from him. Whatever something comes from determines the potential that it has. And since we came from God, watch, who is all omnipotent, all potential, having all potential, and how many know that God is the source and we are the resource, that means whatever he has is in us. So as long as I'm connected to him, everything he gives me permission to do, no struggle, no environment, no devil, no person can stop it. I'm going to find somebody here in a minute. If you're not careful, you gauge the potential of your life based on the environments of your life. And your environments has nothing to do with what God's put on the inside of you. In fact, the environment or, or anything that comes against you just becomes the context for your faith to work in. And as long as I stay connected to him, I can do everything he's called me to do. I can overcome everything that he's called me to overcome. Everything that exists now existed first in God. God didn't begin the beginning. He is the beginning. And anything apart from him does not exist. Everything, the Bible teaches us, everything in the world, everything in the universe is held together by who he is. And anything separated from him cannot be held together. So John, 15, or John 1 says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. So when God got ready to make man, when God got ready to make mankind, he didn't speak to the earth. He didn't speak to the waters. He didn't speak to the heavens. He spoke to himself. He said, let us make man in our image. 
In other words, the real you existed in God before your parents ever got together. In other words, you were fearfully, the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made in him. That means everything about you was designed by God before you got here. So everything about your life is full of omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He's all potential. So we are the resource. He is the source. So everything that's true of him becomes true of us. I'm going somewhere if you'll just work with me for a moment. So when God began to make man, he made man in his image, created him in his likeness, so that whatever flows through God can flow through man. That when when Jesus walked on the earth, watch me now, when Jesus walked on the earth, he did not walk on the earth as the son of God. He walked on the earth as the son of man, sent by God. That's why the Bible says he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, well, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God. He's the third person of the triune unity of God. He is that third member of uh, of the Godhead. It's not some distant thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not an other. It's not something else. The Holy Spirit is God. So when Jesus walked on this earth, he didn't just walk as a God sent from heaven. He walked as a man sent from God, empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit so he could do things that defies logic. He could do things that would override the environments of his life because he had this understanding. As long as I'm connected to the one that sent me, there's no power, there's no demon, there's no doctrine of hell that can thwart the promises of God. You have to know that today that there is no power that the devil has that can thwart the purposes of God over your life when you have been empowered by him everything around you has to come in alignment with his decrees that's why we don't make up our own stuff we say what he says I'm not trying to say what I want to say because I may say the wrong thing. But when I say what he says, it is perfectly accurately 100% right all the time. Push on somebody and tell them this ain't normal now. All potential. All potential. I just wish you'd push on somebody real good and tell them you got some potential inside of you. You got some stuff on the inside of you that makes devils have headaches. There's things on the inside of you that makes the devil mad every time you open up your eyes. Every time you take a breath, it makes the devil say, we got to do something to mess them up. We got to distract them. We got to throw them off course because every time they open up their mouth, it sounds like God. Every time they speak, it sounds like something sent from another world. This ain't normal. This ain't normal. (laughs) This ain't. Normal. I don't want to live in your normal. I don't want to live in what the world calls normal. We are spiritual beings occupying a physical place. So in order for us to recognize these things, the strength of my potential is not from my education. Although it may help, the strength of my potential is from who's inside of me. That's why these scriptures, when you read them thinking like that, 
The Bible says in Mark 9.23, now these scriptures make a little bit more sense. Mark 9.23, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. Now, it, this ain't deep theology. He says all things. All things are possible to them that believe. Not because of my strength, not because of my power, not because of my intellect, but because of who I am occupying. Because who lives on the inside of me? So all things now become possible. So that means whatever the environment looks like, whatever the circumstances is, it's not that God takes me out of it. It's not that God delivers me away from it. Sometimes he gives me the grace and the strength to plow through it so it becomes a testimony of his power on the other side of it because anybody would want to dodge a hard time. But what God does is he empowers his people in the midst of hard times so that they can look back at the devil and say, you meant it for harm, but God turned it around. And made some good out of it. So that, that's why Philippians 4.13 4, 4, begins to make sense. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Somebody shout all things. Not a few things, not some things, not everything every now and then. All things. So that means no matter what my life finds itself in, no matter what shape of disaster is around my life, no matter what it is I may feel like, it has nothing to do with my feelings. It's who he is inside of me. It's the promise of the Spirit. It's the promise of the Father that dwells on the inside of me. And the Bible says, and he will quicken my mortal body. Give me power to overcome. Give me power to look at devils and say, you don't get to stay here. Hallelujah. Because when I'm connected to my source, here's a couple of scriptures coming. When I'm connected to my source, even in my weakness, I'm made strong. Oh, my Lord. That'll make a tadpole slap a whale. Look at me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just throw that out there real quick, guys. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he, and, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Watch this. Power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content. Somebody shout content. I am well content in my weaknesses with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I'm weak, y'all got to read that. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because the power does not rely on who I am, but who lives on the inside of me. Not by might. That's what Zechariah said. Not by might, not by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. Look at this verse right here in Hebrews. Hebrews 11.32. Guys, help me out with that one. Hebrews 11.32. What more shall I say for time will fail me if I talk to you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weaknesses, from weaknesses, they were made strong. 
Will you just push on somebody and tell them I'm about to get strong up in here? I'm telling this. This is why the world is not shaking me. This I don't care what the world is doing. I'm not worried about the economy. I'm not worried about hurricanes. I'm not worried about global warming. I'm not worried about climate control. I'm not worried about Russia. I'm not worried about Gog and Magog. I'm telling you because in the midst of my weaknesses, I am being made strong in every level of persecution, every level of difficulty. I am getting bigger i am getting better i am getting stronger from the inside out tell somebody around you this ain't normal that's why joel 3 verse number 10 says let the weak say i'm strong Mm. you got to say something pastor mark said it you got to say something you got to change your sound well, I don't know if it's going to get any better. Well, guess what? It won't get any better for you. Well, I guess this is the way it's always going to be. Well, guess what? That's the way it's always going to be for you. You got to change your vocabulary. <laughs> you got to change what you talk about. How I many you know that complaining, complaining, all, all complaining is, complaining just reveals that you're losing the thoughts over your mind. That's what complaining is. It just, it just reveals that you're losing the battle over your thought life. I know Karen and I are walking through all kinds of crazy stuff right now, but you know what? I, I told we, we were saying it, we we took communion at the house together the other day. I just said, you know what, Lord, Lord, if the if the wind's going to blow, <laughs> if the winds are going to be contrary, I'm not going to look at what the winds are going to do. I'm looking at who's coming towards me. I'm looking at who's coming across the sea towards me because I want to know Him on a different level. I want to experience Him on a different encounter. So let the winds blow. Let the waves break up against us. Whatever the enemy wants to dish out I know a man I know a savior I know a God who cannot fail because he's all potential living on the inside of me what becomes true of him becomes true of me so now in order to recognize I'm about to get to where I'm going I had a lot of time to preach today praise the Lord for that now in order to recognize God's potential in us this is very simple this is elementary but it just it, it bears repeating You cannot know the potential of God until you're born again. You must be born again. You must be. And I know I'm talking to the choir. 99% of us are probably that way. But you have to be born again. In order for God to unlock his potency, his potential in us, we have to be born again. Here's why he does it. Because he couldn't leave us subject. To a natural bloodline. Hmm. Now I'm I'm researching this out as I'm preaching it to you because I'm, I'm I want to get the hardcore facts. I got enough to say something about it, but not as an expert. Okay. <laughs> the medical field tells us partially, as much as they have discovered. They tell us that even in the natural, the blood type is determined by the male seed. Okay, I'm researching it out. That's. That's not just Google information. That's, I'm, I'm really working on it. But the blood type in the natural, generally, if not most of the time, Dr. Carroll could probably come up here and preach this better than me, but it's determined by the male seed. When you were born again, our blood type gets determined by the seed of a different father. When I became born again, 
my blood type naturally from the seed of my father has limitations. But when I got born again from my heavenly father who has all potential, now the DNA of that father is running through my veins. The DNA of that father now begins to work in my life. So anything that's illegal, anything that's an outlaw, anything that doesn't belong, the bloodline says you can't stay here. The bloodline says, uh-uh, you can't, you can't camp in this area. You can't camp in this space because the bloodline of my father, my heavenly father, it's a pure bloodline. It's a holy bloodline. It's a perfect bloodline. So that DNA is running through me. So anything that the devil wants to do, anything that the devil wants to say, even in my limitations, if God puts a word on it, I can bypass the limitations of what my natural mind says I can't do and I can walk on water if I have to. Woo, push on somebody and tell them this ain't normal. This ain't, I'm going to preach in a minute. Y'all hang out with me. That means you can have, you can have some bad blood in your natural bloodline. <laughs> Come on, we call them generational curses. You can have some bad blood, 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 sound like Count Dracula, one, two, count the blood. You can have, now where'd that come from? Where did that come from? Oh, my Lord. I'm going to go back there and talk to the children for a little while. Y'all excuse me. Yeah, I don't know. We got to quit. Your, your bloodline, when you become born again, it's not subject to your natural order of bloodline. Because it reaches beyond that. This is what I'm... Potential is everything I am, but not yet. My potential is everything I am. I just had not fully developed it yet. That's why the faith journey becomes essential to your walk with Christ. Because how many know that we're not going to be everything we're supposed to be until he comes? Huh? That's when we get all the glorification stuff. But in the process, we are becoming more like him. Oh, my Lord. The disciples were not perfect, but they were so close to the glory. They had so much glory on them that even Peter could walk by and his shadow would cause people to get up off their mats. Because they were so connected to the glory. Because anything that's disconnected from its source is su subject to die. So anything that gets connected, disconnected loses its ability to reproduce. Now, men can reproduce out of a natural bloodline. Right? So can your spiritual DNA. We should be reproducing who we are in the earth. We're not reproducing doubt. I'm not going to reproduce fear and anxiety. Huh? We just sing the song. I speak the name of Jesus. Put it in my home. Put it on my job. Put it in my children. Put it in everywhere I go. Some of y'all would be a whole lot further down the road if you quit listening to half of the stuff you listen to. <laughs> you can't, well... I'm serious. Because it's, 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 it's a connection. 
What you watch, what you listen to, it's a connection. It's a bloodline. And it feeds that animal. It feeds that beast. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man, any woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new again. Watch this. Somebody shout new creation. That means you're a brand new species of being. That's what a, a new creation, you're a brand new species of being that has never existed before. When you became born again, that's what I'm telling you. This ain't natural. This ain't normal. And as the people of God, the way our world is right now, you don't have time to be lollygagging around with a bunch of inferior things. You don't, listen, there, there is a war on our children. Come on, some of y'all still got Disney Plus. You know what? You're feeding that beast. Because there's a war. Disney ain't even hiding. They're, they're coming after your children. They got satanic cartoons coming out now. They're coming after your children. But we just, I'm just saying, if we just sit back and act like, well, it ain't no big deal. That's just entertainment. No, it's entertainment. But it's putting something inside your, your, the, the head of your kids. Seeds of a worldly empire is being planted into the seeds of your children. And that's what they will reproduce. I know it goes without saying because most of us in here I know. But that's why your children need to be in children's church. That's why, they need to be, that's why they need to be in the youth group. And you don't just come once every six weeks. They ought to be here consistently. Ooh, talk to me up in here. A little pastoral counseling there. We're a new species. We're a new breed of something. I have the DNA of my father running through my veins. The reason why we must be born again, because you're only as strong as what you come out of. And what we come out of determines potential. Because how many know it really don't matter who your earthly daddy was? <laughs> it really don't matter what your pedigree is. No matter what your environment is. Because when you become born of him, now you have all potential. So this will be on the screen for you. About to get there. The Christian process is not about trying to get something from God, but it's about renewing our mind to manifest what he's already provided. That's the Christian process. I'm not trying to make God do it. I'm just going to access the realm where he's already done it. So the work of my life, the labor of my life, in part, is to not make God do something, but to renew my mind to a position where he's already done it. It's to renew my mind to begin to think more like God. Because the more I think like God, then the more I tap into all potential. That means it don't matter what my world feels like. doesn't matter what that last report is. Woo I'm not shaken by what I see. I'm not shaken by what I feel. I'm not shaken by what's going on around me. I'm only moved by what's on the inside of me. In him we live and move and have our being. So that's, that's, that's how we begin to move in the things of God. So, so when you understand those things, then I'm not trying to grit my teeth and make something happen. I'm like, oh, I'm believing for a miracle. No, I'm just walking in potential. 
I'm just walking in potential, releasing my faith. If God said it, that settles it. And I refuse to settle on the wrong side of my promise. I refuse to settle on anything that God did not design for me to die in. Amen? Okay, so let me, let me give you this last couple things, and I'm going to give you these few points, and then we're going to go. This is what happened in the Garden of Eden. The trick of the enemy, the trick of the enemy is to convince us that we can negotiate God's will for our lives. That's the trick of the enemy, that he wants to trick us into negotiating God's will for our lives. That's what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve. They began to negotiate with the deceiver. They began to negotiate with the devil. The devil didn't have power over them. He just deceived them out of what they already had. They were already walking like God. They were already talking like God. God said, Adam, whatever you call those animals, that's what I'll name it. Whew. That's a monkey. That's a giraffe. That's an elephant. That's a rhino. Can you imagine? Whatever you say, God said, whatever you say, that's what it'll be. But they got deceived. They didn't lose power. They got deceived into negotiating God's will for their life. Because the devil cannot work by power. He can only work by permission. The devil didn't overthrow them. He deceived them out of who they were. He talked them out of their potential. Whew. So this is the way I put it here in my notes. When you agree with the devil, then all you do is you empower him. You empower him to do what John 10, 10 says. You empower him to kill, steal, and destroy. If we always keep giving in and listening to wrong voices, voices of reasoning, voices of logic, voices of deception, and make agreement with those words, then he functions out of my delegated authority. The devil don't have no authority unless I give it to him. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, take it up now. Take up your authority. Take it up. The devil don't have authority unless you give it to him. I won't say that until I get a little bit more agreement. The devil don't have authority unless you give it to him. He can only operate on the level of your permission. I said it a while ago. That's why the devil has no power to thwart God's promises over your life. Boy, I know that's strong. But that's the absolute biblical truth. The devil has no power to thwart God's promises. He has no power to do that. He can deceive people into believing something different. He can deceive people or trick them into getting out of God's will. But he has no power to move them in that direction. All he can do is entice them into something that's already in them. So whenever you begin to understand and operate on that level, that level, that's another level. This ain't normal. When you begin to operate on that level, you begin to understand. You begin to understand in, in terms of what I'm about to say to you. You have to be anchored in what God has said so that nothing else around you is appealing. You have to be so secure in what God is saying that anytime there are contrary words to his words, they are not attractive to you. I'm not attractive 
to what the enemy has to say. I'm only moved by what God is saying. Boy, don't that make you want to run? Am I the only one? Judging from your response, I know the Gators lost, but get happy. Get happy. Get happy. Quit watching too much football. It's done. Sap your joy. <laughs> there ain't nobody in more mourning than me, okay? I got it. Dr. Carroll, I couldn't even get in the door. Hey, you need a handkerchief this morning? Because <laughs> their volunteers beat the Gators. I got it. I tell you, this ought to be the most exciting place on the planet right now. Man, we, we ought to be moving right now so much expectation that we just dare the devil to say something. Amen. Dare the devil to rise up. Dare, dare the devil. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that in an arrogant way. I'm just saying I'm so convinced in what God has said that his words don't move me. I'm so connected to what God is saying in my life that everything else that's outside of the word, it, 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 it is not normal to me. I, I don't know this for a fact. I never worked at a bank, but they've told me this, that... that, that they don't even train, at least they didn't used to. They don't even train bank tellers to what counterfeit money looks like. They just make them keep handling the real money. They just keep making them handling the real money so that when the counterfeit comes, you've handled so much of the real, you know the counterfeit when it shows up. See, when you get so attracted to God's word, you get so in tune with God's word, you don't have to train on what the devil is saying. You just keep training on what God's saying. And when the devil shows up, you are so trained on God's word that immediately something pops up. You go, ha, that ain't God. That ain't God. That ain't the report of the Lord. I cast it down. I bind it. I break it in the name of Jesus. This is what God has said about my life. This is what God is doing over my life. And Pastor Mark said, well, your children, if your children are being prodigal sons and prodigal daughters, it don't matter. It don't matter right now. That might be the report of the enemy because that's what they might be doing but this is what God said my children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace so you get to that place you get to that place because anything contrary to the word of God is foreign that's what David said or Psalms 119 I don't think it was David Psalms 119 says I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you I'm so connected to the word of God that the only time that the lie looks reasonable is when I've lost his word in my heart. And how I many know that's how the enemy comes? He doesn't come as this big devil with a pitchfork. He comes with reasonable things. He comes with things that makes us that uh, that appeals to us to make us buy into it. That means let me hurry up right here. That means you have to will yourself to do the will of God. John 7, 17, Jesus said, if any man be willing to do his will, let him do it. You have to will yourself to do the will of God. Nobody, nobody is going to make you do the will of God. Nobody is going to make you live a righteous life. Nobody's going to make you live holy. Nobody's going to make you walk in love. Nobody's going to make you walk in forgiveness. Nobody's going to make you walk in faith. Nobody's going to make you tithe. Nobody's going to make you serve. Nobody's going to make you come to church. Nobody's going to make you be more compassionate. Nobody's going to make you be more passionate for the things of God. You have to will yourself to do the will of God. 
You, every day, I'm just trying to help us because every day of your life, the closer you get to him, the more the battle increases. But the battle is the strategy of the enemy to say what I cannot do. Come on, Peter. It don't matter what the storm is doing. It don't matter how fierce the winds are. It don't matter how big the waves are beating up against your boat. All of that is immaterial. If you got a word from God, you have the potential of Almighty God to do and to be everything that God called you to be and you can walk in places where nobody else can walk you can do things that nobody else could do you can succeed when nobody else is succeeding you can be promoted when nobody else is being promoted you can be healed when nobody in your family is being healed because you have a word from God that won't let me settle I will not settle I will not settle in the name of Jesus so I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. We can have similar experiences like everybody else, but I can have a different outcome. <laughs> when you've been called to be the exception, when you've been called to be exceptional, then you don't live under the circumstances. You live above it. It's not that I don't go through nothing. It's just that it don't stay in me. It's not about the storm. It's about me not letting the storm get in me. Oh, my Lord. This will be on the screen for you just so I can work it out here. An exception is a person or a thing that is excluded from a general statement or does not follow a rule. That's what an exception is. I'm not saying what others are. I'm just saying what I'm not. I'm just saying I'm not built because of who's on the inside of me to live in struggle. I know I may have to face what everybody on this planet faces, but my experiences and my outcome will not be like everybody else's. Because when he appears, I'm going to see him in a different dimension. I'm going to see him on a different playing field. An exception is an irregularity. It's something that's not normal. That's where, I, this, where this whole message stems from. This ain't normal. It's not normal. It deviates from what is the standard. It deviates from what is expected. I don't put no expectations on the world to do anything for me. But I have every expect, expectation on him who's promised me everything. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is a yes and amen. Ooh, that's some good Holy Ghost teaching right there. Half of that ain't even on my notes, so that just that's a Holy Ghost download right there. Somebody said, oh, praise the Lord, use him, Lord, use him. <laughs> See, I believe that it's the intention of God for his people to be the exception and not the norm. Someone who deviates. From everybody around them. And when, you, when, when you've been called to live a life of being exceptional, you can't be contained in ordinary. Mm -mm. Uh -uh. I was talking to some guys the other day. They was asking, even this new building that we got coming in. In fact, it was on its way down, but the storm has got it held up now. So they just they quit their work. They didn't want to transport and just have stuff scattered over here. But it's, it's in route. If the storm passes on by, it may be here. Some of them start being here next week probably. 
Okay, that's a good, that, that's just a win for the church there, you know, but that's because we just had 11, no, 16,000 square foot building given to us. Given to us. No payment. That's not normal. I'm just telling you, that's not normal. It's not normal. It's, th th those things are not normal. But, but I had somebody when I was, they was asking me about it, and I said, oh, they go, oh, that going to be the new sanctuary? I go, oh, no. <laughs> no, that ain't the new sanctuary. I said, that's just an add-on to what we're already doing. I said, the new sanctuary is coming over here on this side, over here. He goes, what? How y'all going to pay for that? I go, I don't know. This ain't normal. We just trust in God. We just know, we know the storm's blowing. We know the winds are contrary, but we're just stepping our feet out of the boat, and we're putting our faith into action, and we're just declaring, God, you said we could do this. You said we could have that. You said said we could become this and so we just trust what you said not what others are saying because we don't want to be contained in ordinary how's that going to happen in a little town called Clouston I don't know just keep watching the news they'll talk about it it's the exception how many know that a 90 year old woman having a baby is not normal Some of y'all like, that's surprising. <laughs> but it happened for Sarah. How many of water dividing so that people could walk across on dry ground? It's not normal, but God made an exception for Moses. How many know that people shouting at a military wall until it comes down? It's not the normal, but God made an exception with Joshua. I mean, people living in the middle of a fiery furnace is not normal, but God made an exception for the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's not normal. How many know that people getting up from a four-day dead grave is not normal, but God made an exception for Lazarus, and only God could be four days late, but yet be on time at the same day. Come on, I wish you'd give him praise right there, because that's the kind of God that we serve. Not normal. So here in our text, here in our text, you got, you got 12 men in a boat, and Peter gets out. He gets out of the boat. He was the exception. He refused to allow what was happening to other people happen to him. Come on. He was the exception because he refused to settle in a place of struggle. Everybody in that boat was struggling. Peter knew the struggle. He spent his entire life on that lake. He had seen storms his entire life. He was a professional fisherman on that lake. He understood wind. He understood waves. He understood in his own calculation what a barometric pressure was. When the highs and the lows. He understood it. He understood when it began to wrap that wind, would wrap it around, itself around those mountains and come through there, and it would throw waves up sometimes 15 and 20 feet tall. He understood the evidence of a storm in a lake, but he refused to live in the struggle just because it's normal for everybody else. He refused to live in the normalcy of everybody else's life, and he makes this, he makes this audacious claim. He said, Lord, if that's you, 
If that's you, I only have one desire. I only have one request. Let me be where you're at. Let me do the unthinkable. Let me step out beyond what's normal. Let me defy the odds. Let me go against the struggle of everybody else. And you know the story. We read it. And Peter got out of the boat and the water became like concrete. I'm trying to say to you today, God wants to make your storm look like concrete. God wants to make your trouble look like something that you were born to walk across over the top of. If you believe that, shout yes. Come on, Pastor Cor, if you're going to play, we got to quit. I got to quit. I see what time it is. Oh, my Lord, I could really preach this thing. He had to step away from the other 11 that were in the boat. Here's a question. Who's your 11? Who's trying to hold you in a place of containment? Who's trying, to hold, who's trying to hold you back from living out your potential? Who is sending signals to you saying, you can't walk on water. <laughs> you can't believe God for that kind of healing. You can't believe your children to get off drugs. The statistics are against you. Huh. I know something that will override the stats. <sighs> Y'all ain't hearing me. I've got a bloodline. I've got a bloodline. I've got a different kind of bloodline. I've been born from above. Whatever is born of God overcomes. 1 John 5, 4. I have been born of God, so I am built to overcome everything that's against me. It's not that I don't have to go through it. I just don't have to live in it. I don't have to stay in it. God will grace me through the moment that I'm in, and I may have to walk in pain. I may have to walk with tears coming down my cheek. I may have to walk when I don't understand it but I'm not going to stay right here and settle and die I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk how many are ready to do some walking this morning I mean just ready to ready to walk beyond it come on if you believe that jump up on your feet and give God a shout come on I need you to give him a shout come on you need to look alive in this place give him a shout give him a shout give him a shout of praise give him a shout I wrote it down this way. I've used this before. Who's your 11? Who are you looking at to validate what you feel? Because I want to tell you something. There's a lot of times in our life we don't feel like we're in faith. We feel something different. That's when you got to know who your 11 is. Because I don't want them to validate what I feel. I want people in my life to validate what God has said. What I, I think what I like most about this story, out of all the ways that you could preach it, what I like the most about this story is that Peter was willing to leave the value and the opinions of his own brothers because God had given him permission to do something beyond all their comprehension. Here's the test. Until you're willing to walk away from the value and the opinions of those people you love the most, you're always going to be contained by their feelings. Well, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Well, and I'm not saying there's not... A multitude of wisdom and counseling and all that stuff. I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm not fighting that. 
I'm just saying, I, I have to be careful because, how I many know, you can almost validate anything emotionally. Most people, when they get offended, they can, they can, they, they, they can validate it through some hurt. It's not that the pain ain't real. It's not that it didn't happen. And you can validate it. But it still don't make it legal. It still don't make it right in the eyes of God. Because Jesus himself said, see, you know what he said? He said, offenses will come. Offenses are going to come. But you cannot be bound by the offenses of people. It's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. You've got to be careful that you don't surround yourself with people who just want to talk about how bad the storm is. When you know you got some potential on the inside of you that will not let you settle. And I wrote it down like this. Wrong people will never leave your life voluntarily. You have to be intentional about your company. I tell you. I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a citizen of this nation. I'm a son of this city. I, I, I love it. I love my city. I love my nation. I love people. But I tell you, when it comes between their opinion and God's word, I'm just going to cross that line. Because this matters to me more than anything else. It matters to me more than anything else. And I get people, that they, 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 they look at us sideways. They say, well, how, you know, I, I get all that. But you know what? I ain't, moved, I ain't moved by how you feel. I ain't moved by how you feel. I'm trying to get to a place where I can experience him on levels that I've never known him before. Truly, you are the son of God. They have known that for the last three years. They've watched him raise the dead. They watched him cast out devils. They watched him heal the sick. Then all of a sudden, they broke out in a praise ceremony because truly, no, he just appeared to them differently than what they were trained in. I just want to say over this house, God's about to appear to some of you in a way that you never thought was possible, but he's about to come walking on the sea. He's coming walking in the middle of your crisis, and he's about to release more glory over your life. Come on, if you believe that, lift your hands. Come on, just lift your hands and begin to worship him. Come on, just begin to praise him. Come on, come on, we're going to do some walking this morning. We're going to do some walking this morning. We're going to lift our praise. Come on, in the name of Jesus.